Tattooing is very much a collaboration. You know, you, you need a client willing to travel with you to where you want to go, sometimes without even knowing where the destination is. There's a lot of things about art that you can't say yourself, you know, I don't know. I mean, the middle of it, can't look at myself from the outside. I mean, my, I just do what instinctively feels right for me to do. And you don't have to kind of worry about it not being perfect because you know what? Nothing's ever perfect. Good, good, good. You know. Hi. Hello, Zoe. Long time. How are you? Last time I yeah. saw you, was it your wedding? Yeah, I know. That's what, 11? 10. 10 darling. years ago. Yeah. yeah, it's been 10 years. Long time. Mad. Oh, right, Olive, it's nice to see you. Likewise. Bye. Yeah, thank you for being here, first of all. Can you remember the first tattoo you ever seen? Ever? Well, I've known, I mean, my two early tattoo memories are, I've got two. There was no tattooing in my family, really. But one, my mother's cousin had a small tattoo that he had done in Paris, probably in the 60s. And probably I should know who it was. It, was, it would have only been a couple of guys in Paris. It was only small. He had a small tattoo on his forearm uh, that he got done in Paris when he was a teenager. He never really liked it. But he was kind of quite an interesting guy. He, he was He's actually an artist. He's, he's a painter and an artist himself. So I remember that. And I also remember the tattoos on the on my website it gives a tiny bit says the tattoos on the rough boys that worked in the fairground at that age i lived in the countryside and uh the nearest fairly small town you know the fair would come through two or three times a year you know like the you know the fairground rides and what have you and i'd go to that when i was maybe 12 or 13 and i remember the some of the boys they were like rough, you know, rough lads that worked on the fairground. They were probably a few years older than me, but not a lot older. And they had tattoos, probably really, really crude. A lot of it would have been pretty crude, basic homemade stuff. But I remember them quite clearly as well. So those are my two early tattoo memories of when I, from when I was a child, yes. I remember being fascinated. I was into it straight away, you know, like, like a lot of people are. You know, I was into it straight away. Most people who are into tattoos... Certainly of my generation now, people might be into it because they've seen it on sports stars or rap stars or whatever. But back then it was much rarer and it wasn't particularly cool or anything. And and I don't come from a, I come from a kind of, you know, more middle class. You know, my dad was a school teacher, you know, type of family. So there wasn't a lot of tattooing in my family. And so I had quite a powerful attraction, whether it was being, you know, the lure of the forbidden and the bad or Whatever it was, it had quite a powerful kind of magnetic pull for sure. Was it seen well or not, or in between in your family? My, uh, I don't think they. My parents had no big opinion on it. They, I don't think I got my first tattoo at seventeen, and I remember showing my mother, and she wasn't particularly horrified. She was like, "Oh well, you know." She, my parents were kind of liberal, you know. They were kind of liberal types, so they weren't going to 
see it as being a really awful thing. Um, no, so I, it, it wasn't neutral, I would say. And uh, how did you get into it? I mean, like a lot of people, I learned by myself. I mean, we're talking 80s. So in the 80s in London, obviously there was tattooing. And obviously by that stage, I had tattoos. It was, the scene was very small. There wasn't really shops in the way that people see shops as being now. Um, so there was no real way that anyone was going to teach me or anything like that. Um, so I just bought some equipment, you know, and back in those days, of course, you couldn't even go online. I, I can't remember, but I bought some equipment from uh, Ronnie Starr, which old school type people would have heard the name. Uh, there was pretty crap, really. But I bought, I guess I bought a starter kit or something for like, I don't know, two or three hundred pounds or something like that. Uh, and I just bought the equipment and I just, I'd done a little bit of hand poking before that on myself and on a few friends, uh, just using sewing needles, but I'd had fairly good results. I did, I had a few little goes in my kind of early mid teens, but then I realized it wasn't really going to happen. So I didn't really get going again until my sort of early mid twenties. And by that stage, I was a bit more sussed in general and I knew that I could probably make this work. So I did a bit of hand poking and then I bought some machines and I started tattooing friends from home, like people do. <laughs> and that was the 80s, yeah? Mid-80s, yeah. 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 How was London in those days? London was really creative. I was, living in a, I was living in a squat in central London, in really central London, in WC1, literally about five minutes' walk from the British Museum. It was a big squat that my friend had started. It was all full of art types. It was very, you know, artsy. You know, it was a big squat full of art types sort of filmmakers and performance artists and painters and jewelry makers and all this kind of business. And I was living there because I knew them obviously. And I was just starting, I was into tattooing by then, but I hadn't really started. And, you know, everyone was doing their thing. And, you know, the idea of becoming a tattoo artist or doing tattoos as a proper art form was just germinated from that scene where everyone was trying to like, almost outdo each other in weirdness you know i'm 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 this i'm a kind of you know and then we, we used to put on art shows in the house and there would be lots of going out to private views and art shows in london it was the 80s in london is well known to be quite a fertile time there was quite a lot going on there's a lot of people living in squats and co-op houses and cheap you know because london was compared to what it is now london was it was depressed in one level you know there was a lot of empty buildings there was a lot of not wastelands, but there was a lot of, there wasn't as much money. It wasn't, it wasn't the big center urban money powerhouse that it is now. And there was a lot of money, government money for people who are unemployed and what have you. A lot of people were unemployed. So there was a lot of money being given out to people. There was various little schemes to try and get people to kind of like start little businesses and things. So there was quite a lot of creative stuff going on, whether it was making clothes or being in bands. I used to be in bands and stuff before then. That was the kind of atmosphere was, you know, young, being creative, you know, going out to art shows and performances and stuff like that. It was, you know, I'm obviously making it sound super cool. And obviously there was downsides <laughs> to it too, but it was fun. You know, I, I'm not, I, I definitely had a lot of fun and, and, and I did know some quite interesting people and, and I started tattooing from within that kind of scene, as it were. Very artsy. Lau Hardy yeah. would have thought we were right, lot of old bloody, you know, middle, middle class, you know, homosexuals. <laughs> Bless him. And we were, although, you know, I mean, I knew Lau by then and I'd been tattooed by George Bone and I'd been tattooed by this underground guy, Mr. Sebastian. And, you know, there was people around, you know, there was Andy Dixon in 
Ken Market. There was, you know, there was individual people around that I'd been tattooed by and was getting to know those sort of people, you know. Are you in touch with any of these people? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in touch with some of them. Yeah, some of them quite well. Yeah. Um, I did my first machine tattoo on my friend Steve, who actually lent me the money to buy the equipment. He was doing quite well. He was a video maker. He was he used to make videos for a lot of those um, 80s bands. He was, he was doing quite well. He had quite a lot of money. And he lent me the money to buy my equipment. And I did my first ever machine tattoo on him. And um, he lives in L.A. now. Um, and there's various. No, I'm in touch with some of them for sure. For sure. They, we actually one of the people organized a little art show a couple of years ago in an underground art space called the Horse Hospital, which is in central London, which is quite an interesting venue, which is just around the corner from the squat, actually. And she, this woman, she teaches at um, Royal College now. She was one of the people there. She put on a little group show of everybody from the squat you know and we all went and it was kind of fun so there's you know yeah no absolutely it's interesting to see how you know all these people evolved you know like you went that path and the other person went the other path yeah yeah i mean you know there's the usual story a couple of people are dead <laughs> yeah a couple of people have done really well and a couple of people have done really well you know and a couple of people have probably you know a lot of us probably had kids and some of them have disappeared and some of us done well and yeah, no, it's, you know, that's, that's how it is. You know, what, what is what it's 35 years later now, you know? Um, but London was definitely quite creative then because it was, it's a bit like, you know, cities or areas of cities when they're cheap artists and creative people move in because it's, because it's um, cheap and you can live there and then, and then, you know, they kind of regenerate that area. But the whole of London felt a bit like that, you know? I found interesting, like what you said, you know, that sometimes certain dynamics are shaped by other unrelated things and then creates a sort of a community, even without, you know, it yeah. wasn't planned from the start. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you got to remember back then there wasn't really a tattoo community as such. There was yeah. a few people like Lal and George and Dennis Cockle and what have you. and But they were all, well, Lal and George know each other quite well. They're pally. But there was a lot of sort of competition there wasn't really a and and it was a very different thing there wasn't really a scene so my scene was the kind of art scene and then i just was tattooing but i was within the art scene because there wasn't really a tattoo scene now there's much more of a tattoo scene and sort of younger people will become tattoo artists and they'll very much place themselves within the worldwide tattoo kind of context and that's how they'll see themselves and maybe quite separate from maybe music or well, I don't know. People, a lot of tattooers quite identify with skater art and graffiti art and what have you, but and they maybe place themselves in that. But um, it was definitely different then. It was underground. It's gone mainstream. Simple as that. Yeah, different breed. Um, you know, you created Into You, right? Which yeah. has been this uh, institution which was unique. Do you think that has been created that way because it's a product of you know, the experiences that you had in London and stuff, or it could have been as long as it was you with your own, you know, vision and stuff, it could have been created anywhere or like just in London, there was the right, you know, formula to put together and, and be what has been. Well, I think probably, I mean, into you, you've got to remember, I, I happen to be the guy that started it in inverted commas, but 
I always used to say it's very much like a shared house, and I was just the idiot that had to pay the bills and make sure that <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't just me by any means. You know, very quickly by the time you know once Curly got on board, and then other people that were a very big part of it, like Duncan and Thomas and Taz and various people, Zed. You know, it very much became them as much as me, really. So I think it was quite London, though. To answer your question, yes, I think it was quite uniquely London or English anyway, we are, you know, we're definitely quite, well, our half that, some of that lot aren't actually English originally, but, but, um, so Interview started in 93. I'd done a couple of years in America where I learned quite a lot, but in 93 in London, there wasn't really, a, there still wasn't really a tattoo scene. So we were making it up as we went along. We really were making it up as we went along. And so I think it was, it was very much the time and the place, but probably the time as much as the place. And what do you think? Uh, what do you think made into you unique? Because it definitely was something that you know you wouldn't find in other places. It had his own identity, his own creative energy, his own type of people that you know that fed his energy. What do you think made it unique? I don't know really. I I can say this that we were very lucky that we had quite a big space. We had about two thousand square foot, so we rented it from the landlord, Rami, who I had for many years, when that part of London was still quite depressed. So in other words, he rented really quite a big space, a physical space, without really knowing what we were doing. Um, and I think that the, the physical space, the size of it, allowed quite a lot of stuff to happen um, that would have been more difficult in a, in, in a smaller physical space. You know, Thomas always used to say that um, because it's a big space. You've got room to stand back and really look at it, which, which encouraged people to do big work, you know, doing bodysuits and big back pieces and what have you is easier. If you've got enough room to look and have a, have a big wall wall size mirror and stand back from it and look at it, you know, whereas trying to compose something really big in a tiny, tiny little room, you know, like Hank's old shop in Amsterdam, which was tiny, you know, it's obviously much more difficult. So, I think the physical space had something to do with it. And then obviously the people that came to work there, which obviously that was my choice. I was always the one obviously that said, yeah, let's get you. And no, you can't come. Sorry. Cause believe you me, a lot of people wanted to come <laughs> and I had to say, no, sorry. Even if they're really nice, you know, and really cool. And I always looked for people that I basically got on with and had a bit of a shared vision rather than whether they were any good or not. Because, you know, it's not about how good you are. I'm not really, I was never really interested in that. I mean, I always took that, you know, the kind of classic punk rock line, you know, it's the attitude that counts, not how well you can play the guitar, you know. So I've, I had that attitude absolutely with tattooing. It, it was the general atmosphere, whether or not, you know, we got on. That was the the main thing, and and then we got a collection of people. And of course, we didn't always get on. There was and there was arguments and falling out as well. Um, but largely, we got on, and and that I think is what created it. It was very much a group project. What did you envision when you were thinking about you know, obviously coming together? And I didn't really have a vision. I just wanted to. I didn't. You know, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I just. I just basically, so I'd, I had a couple of years in America. So I was working from my squat and then I worked from a little private studio. And then I, um, I came back from America and I just wanted to start a shop because I thought I'd better start a shop because where else am I going to work in London at the time? Where else was I going to work? 
I mean, literally nowhere. You know, there was no, there was nowhere that I could have worked at. Maybe I could have worked at Lowell's. Lowell had a bit of a shop up in Muswell Hill. No one else. There, were, there weren't any shops, really. There was a few individual people, but there weren't any shops. So I had to start a shop to do anything. I did have a business partner, Tina, who helped me do it all, by the way. She was a piercer. She, we fell out and she left after about a year and a half. But she was the one that actually helped me actually get the shop together. In the, in the, so, I mean, big thanks to her. But um, So I didn't really have a vision as such. My vision was just to be back in London, start a tattoo shop. Um, obviously, I was inspired by the shops that I'd been in 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 america i was in i was lucky to be in los angeles and, and i used to go up to san francisco and seattle and what have you back in the very early 90s when a lot of stuff was really happening there you know there was tattoo city there was leo shop there was black wave you know there was there was shops there you know but it, it was a new thing having kind of younger people having shops and i just i knew some of those guys and so i wanted to do something somewhat similar in london what do you think that we're doing different or, or at least the thing that, you know, hit you the most when you went to the States compared to what you were used back in the UK? Well, I think the main thing, the, the main thing that was happening in America was that you did have these shops with younger people working in them all together, like Sunset Tattoo on Sunset or the wall, Bob Roberts shop, obviously in San Francisco, um, um, Tattoo City and what have you these places had like two or three or four people more my own age or maybe a little bit older but they were all working together in the same room and basically hanging out at work and then of course after work you know drinking and worse <laughs> as you can imagine <laughs> um, in other words it was like being in a band it was more like being in a band basically but you know a good tattoo show is like being in a band, but you aren't all working on one artwork, the music. You're all doing your own thing, but you're kind of all hanging out together, kind of like being in a band, basically. And a lot of those guys were in bands as well, actually. So that is what I kind of learned from when I was in America. And, of course, it was great fun. And I met a lot of people, and I was very lucky to have been welcomed, you know, by the kind of scene then. And um, so that is really what I wanted to create. I wanted to create a little... Uh, safe haven as it were for kind of weirdos like a collective kind of thing like yeah like a collective yeah. exactly yeah, yeah. Where, we, where you felt safe where you were cool we could hang out together you could work you could talk about shit talk about your fears and your problems if you got them talk about art obviously and obviously talk about tattooing and how to do shit learn how to do like how to do soldering needles or whatever because of course back then we all soldered our own needles kids <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. and do you have like some memories or a couple of memories or one whatever from those years that when you think about it put a smile on your face you're like oh yeah i mean i think certainly you know curly was the first one that came because i knew curly a little bit before we'd obviously got to know each other um and things like those Amsterdam conventions when me and Curly went with Blue and, and uh, you know, I mean, there was some pretty, pretty, pretty mad times, some pretty mad times. But um, I goodness knows how we got through it all and did all the partying and did all the tattooing and did all the artwork. But it was, I can't put my finger on anything particular, but no, it was fun. A lot of fun. I guess you build some good friendships there, like some very strong connections. Sure, sure. Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. No, I feel like, you know, I feel blessed, as they say, for sure. You know, I don't talk to everybody all the time, 
these days, but I, I am in touch with most of the guys from the shop for sure. And um, I feel kind of quite, you know, loved and supported by that, by having been through all that with them. You know, when you go through, you know, quite intense formative stuff with people, it doesn't go away. You know, it's yeah. always there. You know, you don't have to see them the whole time. It's always there. Um, so, so no, it was a very important part of my life for sure. When people talk about Alex Bin, you know, you know, especially for your, you know, bold style and you know the 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 way he suits the body and you know the tribal exploration you did, what was it that you know attracted you to that? What was it that kind of pulled you to towards that rather than something else? You can't, you know. There's a lot of things about art that you can't say yourself. You know, I don't know. I mean, the middle of it, you know, I don't know. I can't look at myself from the outside. I mean, my, I just do what instinctively feels right for me to do. So when I was, you know, really passionate about tattooing and doing all that kind of stuff, I just, I just knew what I wanted to do. I think I was quite lucky that I've got fairly strong vision and I'm probably fairly strong will you've got to have a lot of confidence to be a tattooer anyway you know it's not something for the kind of faint-hearted because of the fact that you've got to make you know you've got to hurt them and make that big line and make that mark so you you know you have to be quite confident in yourself to be a tattooer full stop but you know creatively I just knew what I wanted to do so you know and I was lucky especially in the early days, to work on quite a lot of interesting people, my clients, obviously. I do, tattooing is very much a collaboration. You know, you can't do the work at all without the client wanting to get it or wanting to kind of travel with you. You need a client that is, you know, willing to travel with you to where you want to go, sometimes without even knowing where the destination is. And that's quite a big thing to ask for somebody, which is, you know, I'm going to do some major work on you and I don't even really know what we're going to do, but we're going to just travel together, you know. And so I was lucky to have those clients, um, you know, in the early days for sure. Um, and kind of I felt inspired by them and they felt inspired by me and, and that's what we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting how when I talk to people that have been tattooing for a very long time, you know, 25, 30, 35, 40 years, whatever, they all have often in common exactly that, the fact that they realize how, you know, their priorities on the people, you know, instead of on you expressing your own art or whatever, you know, it, it's almost like a subproduct. So it, it's interesting how people that have been in the business for a very long time, they all share in common this understanding that it's a bond. Like you just said, you know, it's a, it's a, it's something that you share with a customer, with a person, rather than sometimes you see somebody that, you know, treat whatever person like a canvas, you know? That's not cool. A... Tattooing should not be about that. Tattooing is not about that. And, and it's bullshit when you get that, you know, it really is. And uh, it's absolutely about the person. It's, it's a, it's a collaborative project. You and the client, as I said, it's a like a journey. You have to go on together. Um, that's what can make tattooing frustrating. You could say you do have to have the client to get the work. Yeah, no, it's absolutely about that. Absolutely about that. It's a, you know, it's a, it's, it's what they call an applied art. You know, if, if people understand what that means, it's, it is, it's not a pure art form. It's not like painting or pure art. It's an applied art. It's, it's because you're working with the client. Simple as that. You know, you are tailor making something for them often of course they have to trust you it's still your ideas it's your vision but you are tailor making it to them and you have to have they have to travel with you every step of the way it's just part of it yeah. 
absolutely. And, uh, you know, on the more like art side of things, you know, you've always been very, very prolific and very interested. Like you mentioned the music, you know, you do the, you know, printmaking and stuff like that. How did that evolve over the years? You know, your, your interest in art, I guess that, you know, when you look at yourself like 15, 20 years ago and now, you know, how, how do you see this journey? Well, I mean, you know, I, I did go to art school. I didn't do anything. I did actually did performance art and stuff like that just because it felt like I was being a weirdo. I was trying to be cool. But um, I think in a way it's really important if you're an artist and you're a tattoo artist, I think it's important to have another art practice going on at the same time. I think it frees you up. It makes you, you don't have to get everything into the tattoo because you've got something else going on as well. So I think it's really good for art, for, for, for tattooists to work in another medium, even if it's just painting flash or painting designs for ideas for tattoos that they may never do. You know, I think it's really important to do that, to develop as an artist and as a person. And it kind of, it almost allows you to be more relaxed when you're working with the client. You can be like, yeah, it's fine. It's their body. They want it like this. That's cool. If I want to do, if I've got a crazy idea that comes out of it, I'll just do it on paper. I'll just do that as well. You know, it's fine. So, so I always kind of had, you know, this idea that I wanted to do other stuff. So yeah, I printmaking, um, I've been doing that almost 20 years now. And I don't know, I'm not quite sure how it started or why. I just wanted to do it. So I just did one of those adult education type courses and did I did screen printing initially. Um, and I wanted to be influenced a little bit by some of them, not all at all, actually, but some of them were influenced by the whole Japanese thing, although I was doing screen printing, not woodblock at the time. Um, it just seemed like a natural thing, really, to, to do something else, to get get ideas out and explore things that I wasn't going to be able to explore in tattooing. And they, I just, they just went hand in hand for many years. They just, they were like parallel, the printmaking, the tattooing, they were just parallel. They went, they, they just went on together and they kind of informed each other. And there's quite a lot of parallels between the two in my mind, at least, which I won't go into now, but um, yeah, it just seemed like a natural thing, really. Tell me if I'm wrong, because, you know, the, as I told you, I was reading the Wikipedia thing, but I don't know who wrote that. Uh, my, friend wrote, my friend wrote that. <laughs> Is there medical, um, medical illustration stuff that i read there yeah no uh, i did so when i was at art, so after i left art school i was living in london i was in bands i was in the kind of industrial music scene you know and i had to get a job well i wanted to get a job and i wanted to get an interesting job so and i was always quite into it so and this is going to sound ridiculous but my first job in that area was i was an operating theater cleaner get that what does that mean I'd go into an operating theater suite and clean it in the evening uh, it was a great job i go in at about 10 p.m into this small suite of operating theaters in a little private hospital and clean the operating theaters it was i, I thought i was so cool <laughs> and like so people get surgery and stuff yeah they, yeah it was yeah yeah an operating theater yeah for the surgery yeah exactly it was mainly eye surgery and quite small stuff there wasn't blood everywhere but anyway yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to, so i got that job and then i got a job as an av technician in the medical school um, which is really cool. And then I discovered there was this thing called medical illustration. And, and I remember getting quite pally with the guy. He must have been my age. I am now then, you know, he was an older guy. He had his little office all full of all this really cool stuff in, in, in the department, in, the, in one of the big London teaching hospitals. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. 
<laughs> so I anatomical stuff. Well, you're not really doing anatomical stuff, really, because anatomical drawings don't need to be done. So what if you imagine that um, any big institution will have an an audio, you know, they have a kind of AV department, or big, hospitals always have a photography department because you have to photograph stuff. There's always hospitals always have quite a big photography department, and some of the bigger hospitals they might have a graphic designer as part of the kind of photography art department so i'd be that guy so it's more like graphic design a little bit of drawing but i got to go into operating theaters i got to go into the mortuary i got to see a lot of cool stuff and because of you know me being a slightly pretentious weirdo art guy i just thought it was really cool and i just i just you know, so I did that for a while. And at one point I thought, I thought this was going to be my career path. I thought, well, great. I'm going to be a medical artist, but you know, it's a big institution. I was getting more and more into tattoos and I was getting tattooed and, and I just thought, nah, it's cool, but I want to be a tattoo artist. So I started tattooing and, and, and that was it. Off, off I went. What was the coolest thing that you saw in there? The coolest thing I ever saw. I remember going into the, um, one of the, I can't which hospital it was in, but I went into the, it wasn't the mortuary they were doing where they were teaching and i went into the it was the teaching room and um they had laid out maybe eight or ten bodies and they all had the tops of their heads cut off and the brains taken out and put beside them and the, and they were all so they're all in a row and they all had their tops of their heads cut off and the brains taken out because of course the medical students were doing the brain that week or whatever oh, and so you go into the room they're all lying there in a row it was almost like the repetition of it the fact there's not just one like that there was a whole row of them all like that these of these bodies i remember thinking you don't see them as bodies they because they're so obviously dead and they've been in the they've been preserved and what have you it's it's quite a weird thing you know you don't relate to them as kind of human beings in a sense um but yeah no i, I remember that was yeah, I've had people ask me before, what's the coolest thing? So that's what I say. That's the yeah. coolest thing. And uh, what would you say was the project that you enjoyed the most? They're all different, I guess, you know, but... i tell you what I really like, because I did, some people might have seen the 23 sleeves. I did the 23 sleeve set. Mm -hmm. I, and I did the woodcut portraits, and I've done other series. This is the beauty of not, you know, you can't really do a, well, you can do a series of back pieces. And of course, Japanese guys do enormous series of back pieces, but I, but it's, 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 it's more difficult and you've got to have the clients. I do quite like doing a series. If you do a series, there's a freedom because you always can think there's, I'm just going to do the next one now. In other words, you never think it's not good enough or it should be better or I want to change that bit. You just think, I'm going to do another one anyway. I'll just do the next one and I'll get the idea that I, you know, the idea I'm getting now, I'll just put into the next one. So I, I quite like the, I, that's why I quite like these series. That's why I did the 23 sleeves. That's why I did the portraits. Um, I'm working on some paintings now. I finally started painting and I'm working on some paintings now, which, uh, which again, you know, you never get, you don't get hung up on, oh my God, it's not, it's not right. It's not perfect. It's not good enough. You just think, chill out, do it. And then just do the next one. And then yeah. you think, chill yeah. out, do the next one. And then you do the next one. And then you do the next one. And then you just keep going, you know. And you don't have to kind of worry about it not being perfect. Because you know what? Nothing's ever perfect. Yeah, totally agree. And it's cool because you take off the pressure of, oh, it's only one has to be perfect kind of thing, you know. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It takes the pressure off. It just loosens you up.
and it just frees you up and you can just yeah so that's why i like doing these series as to my favorite one i haven't got a favorite one you know but yeah thank you yeah that's beautiful like not many not I wouldn't say not many people and not everybody think like that. You know, there is some people that I talk to sometimes that get so perfectionist and, and then eventually that thing make them stop because they get frustrated and then they, you know, give up and stuff. So no, I think it's very helpful to start thinking that way where you're like, you know, there's not perfection. So just keep moving and make another one. You know? Exactly. There's no, no, it just, it just, it just takes away the pressure. There's not, there's just less pressure than, and because you, you just think it's great, I'll do another one. And then you know what? Half the time, half the time, you know, I'm I'm really learning now that almost always, if I've just done it, I don't like it. I always think it's a bit shit. So just chill out, walk away. I remember once in the print studio a while back, my print teacher woman that taught me, she said, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "Oh, I, I hate them. I'm tearing them up." And she's like, "Stop! Stop! Stop! Stop tearing them up!" <laughs> Fine. they're great and you know and it ended up that one she stopped me tearing them up and it ended up being one quite a popular one and two one that i quite liked but but I, because you know so now quite often i'm doing these paintings at the moment and quite often i do a bit and i think oh i don't, I don't like it i don't like it so i but i just i don't try and change it and i don't tear it up i just walk away and leave it and in a couple of days time i think oh, oh no, 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 that's all right now no that's no, all right it's okay it's okay so nice. yeah i've learned i've learned that one just just don't worry just keep going i think the thing about art is i think everyone knows about art really that that it is the process that counts it's not the final re end result that's really that important i mean of course it's nice to have in a way um but it shouldn't be about the end result it's about if you're enjoying doing it and i I do genuinely enjoy doing it. And, you know, this is what I'm realizing is that, that, you know, we've all got, you know, things we can do in our life, you know, everything from partying to, I don't know, physical exercise to making art to watching TV, you know, but actually making art is one of the things, I mean, I enjoy all those other things as well, to be honest, but I do really enjoy making art, you know, so it's, it's, it's just a good way to spend my time. I'd rather spend, you know, a few hours up in the studio making something, you know, being creative, just puts your brain into a certain space when you're being creative, you know, being creative like meditation kind of thing. Yeah. It's very much like meditation. Absolutely. You know, I, I very much like meditation. Yeah. You're living absolutely in the moment. Um, and the trick is not to have any expectations about it. You know, don't kind of set, don't set anything up. Like with meditation, don't try and have too many expectations. Think, oh my God, I can't do it. You just don't worry about it and just, just sit there and, and it kind of may, it may happen, it may not, whatever. It's fine. Yeah, a friend of mine said something like recently was like, yeah, because he was like, oh, I have problem because sometimes I have all these ideas, but I actually never do it. And he said, better done than perfect. I'm like, fuck man, that's so spot on. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. And do how is if I can ask? Hopefully, it's not you know too personal. But how is your uh, <laughs> regard regarding art? You know, uh, your relationship with Zoe. Like, how do you guys? You know, I guess she 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 gives you feedback. You know, and, and it's a mutual thing, right? But how how do you find that? Uh, do you guys have a sort of a common ground where you 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 know you compare things and. 
Um, well, yeah, I mean, I ask her opinion on stuff for sure. I want to, I do respect her opinion. I mean, she's got her own thing going. She's actually doing a new art project herself at the moment, um, which I won't get into. But um, we don't spend a lot of time talking about art, and we certainly don't spend a lot of time talking about tattooing. Um, she was saying about someone the other day, you know, I really like so-and-so, but I wish they just wouldn't want to talk about tattoos the whole time, because I don't want to talk about tattoos the whole time. <laughs> um, we've both been around it for, you know, quite a number of years. You know, I'm very glad that Zoe was part of the whole interview story, which is where I knew her from. And um, obviously tattooing is what brought us together, you know, but we don't, we certainly don't spend a lot of time talking about tattoos anymore. Um, but we do talk about art, yeah, and I, and, I, and I ask her what she thinks, should I do this or should I do that? And she gives me feedback, but we don't we don't spend hours in in depth conversation about it. No. And you say you started painting again. What are you painting with? Well, I'm not painting again. I've I've never really done any painting. Um, basically, uh, in the first lockdown, I always thought I'll save painting for when I'm older. And I guess I'm older now, and I'm really enjoying it. So basically, in the first lockdown, I couldn't get in the print studio, and I did some printing at home, but. I wanted to do something different. So I thought I'll, I'll get some gouache paints and I'll try some painting, but I won't, I won't, again, I won't put pressure on myself. I'll just see them as preliminaries for prints. So I'll just do flat colors. I'll just see them as print preliminaries. They're not paintings. They just print preliminaries. It's all cool. So I didn't get into a kind of state about it. So I did a bit of that in the first lockdown. And then I thought gouache is okay, but I thought I'd try some acrylics mainly so that I can overpaint with gouache. If you overpaint, it's going to, bleed through it's not going to be it's going to be difficult to change a color so again i've got quite strict rules basically flat areas of color you know no very basically like prints you know flat areas of color no real lines no kind of shading or fancy fancy brush techniques so i got into acrylics and then now we're in lockdown again and i just thought i'd carry on and i'm really enjoying it basically and now i'm starting to very slowly expand out but I'm still keeping my techniques pretty simple and straightforward for now. And we let it develop organically. So it's quite a new thing for me. And it's very, frankly, very exciting. I'm really enjoying it. There's a lot of freedom. Print, I really enjoy print. There's, but I always see the reason that print and tattoo, in my mind, are quite similar in that there are rules. There are rules in tattooing for sure, although not everyone follows them. <laughs> but they should <laughs> kids story. Um, and there are rules in printmaking too you know if you don't follow the rules and do it right it just won't work um the same is true of tattooing so although i think painting can be a lot looser for sure i'm i'm not being very loose and i'm keeping to to the rules i've set myself largely at least to start off with because then I've got, I feel more, I've got a comforting parameters. If you haven't got any rules at all and you can just do anything, it's quite daunting. You know, what, what do you do? So I'm just doing it kind of more step by step. So it's a kind of process from tattooing and printmaking into the painting. Um, and I'm learning obviously as I go. And then we'll see, like when you asked me, you know, what did I have a vision for tattooing or for my into you, the shop? The answer is no, I didn't have a vision. You just see where you get to, you know, you just, it's a journey, man. You just see where you see where you get to. And so I'm now enjoying that with painting. Nice.
Is there any any particular uh, art current or period or style or you know that you that you particularly fond of? Uh, pop art. I've got a couple of standard answers. If anyone says who's your favorite artist, I always say Andy Warhol. I still love pop art. Bright, punchy, you know, punchy colors, pop, big, in your face, you know, shallow, superficial, etc. Favorite band, Sex Pistols. Easy. Nice. And uh, going back to tattooing, how, how do you think that your tattooing changed like in the last 10 years? If you look at yourself now and before. I'm afraid I don't think there's any doubt I did my best tattoo work, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you know. And, and although Zoe says, don't say that the whole time, I'm basically going to retire from tattooing. Basically, I am retired from tattooing now. Um, I don't think I've got anything to say anymore. I think I've done my work. I think there's a lot of young guys who can do the big work, you know, more, it's more, they're, they're more able to do the work than I am. And frankly, they probably got the clients, you know, I haven't got the clients and I haven't got the stamina. I'm not going to do what bloody Gila tattoo is doing or, you know, Genko, or this, some of these guys, I forget it. You know, so I'm just not going to be, I'm just not up to it anymore. And I haven't got the clients and I haven't got the stamina. And frankly, I haven't got the, Psych I haven't got the kind of psychic energy to put to do that to someone anymore. I hate all that pain now, all that pain and blood and all that stuff. I have I'm not strong enough to kind of ride through it anymore. I keep on saying, Oh, are you okay? Oh, ooh, ooh, oh, are you okay? Oh, I don't, oh, you know, I end up I'm doing I do that more and more now. And I I and so I am increasingly seeing myself as a tattoo artist who doesn't actually tattoo anymore which I think is fine. I think you can totally be that. And I think that probably more and more people will start to do that because I think that possibly for, for a creative person, you know, after a while, you might run out of steam with tattooing and want to jump off into other areas. And, and, and there's a few people that have done that and, and I want to join them now. And then let me ask you one last question and then I'll let you go. Uh, what, uh, do you think is the best advice you ever received? I don't know. I can't answer that one. I'm pretty fucking bloody minded. I'm afraid I, I haven't listened to a lot of people. You know, I have pretty much just done what I wanted to do my own way. Um, there's a lot of people, artists and tattooers that I respect. I'm not going to go into it, but, but I, I have, you know, I've enjoyed learning off of people being around them. I've not really learned much technique off people. I'm not really interested in that particularly, but I have been enjoyed being around tattooers and, you know, watching how they work and, and soaking up their vibe. Um, obviously in the old days, main, main way you do that is you go and get tattooed by them, you know, obviously. So I've, I've, I have enjoyed that, but I, I can't, I wouldn't better distill that. No, I can't answer that. Okay. Uh, thank you very much, Alex, you know, for your time, you know, to make time okay. for this especially your, your way of doing things that I find inspiring, you know, because you're very, it's more free. So it's really enjoying, like you said, the process rather than, you know, stressing too much about stuff, you know? Well, thank you for inviting me. And uh, I'm, I'm glad to be part of what looks like an interesting project. There's some quite interesting other people you've had on it, which is why I agreed to do it, you know? So uh, I'm glad. So thanks for putting me amongst some of those people. So it's cool. And I hope I meet you again sometime. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully soon when, you know, 
The world is well, hopefully I'll still be going to tattoo conventions. You know, you can find me in the bar, guys. I'll still be going to tattoo <laughs> conventions should they ever start again. Unfortunately, London's going to go. We now hear London's going to stop. Um, but I'm sure there'll be more. Um, I'm only, I can only go to one or two a year. One or two a year is enough for me, but I would definitely still want to go to one or two a year. So, uh, yeah, I hope to see you, see you and everybody else around. Take it hey, easy, Bye, 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 bye. bye.